0: the title of my message today is the victory in me and I'd like to share a little bit this morning about who you are in Christ you see I grew up in church and sometimes I think I was born in one because we were there I felt 24 7 as a kid growing up I grew up in the Spanish church and we were there Sunday morning Sunday night Tuesday night Thursday night and if there was a special thing going on we were there We were always in church, and I just can't remember a time where it wasn't a part of my life, and you'd think that that alone would have kept me from the enemy's uh, hold in my life, but it did not. It definitely helped, but I didn't realize that I was so bound by fear and insecurity, how I had allowed the enemy to intimidate me and keep me from fulfilling the will of God for my life, and at one point, I was so filled by bitterness and by resentment. If you've heard me talk about our marriage testimony, I mean my marriage almost fell apart because I allowed those things to creep up in my life all the while sitting in church loving Jesus. Oh I love Jesus and I love the house of God but I was bound and I was living less than what God had intended for my life. You see John 10 says, The thief comes, not the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, "I have come that they may have life, and that they may have it more abundantly." But see, I I'd been in church all my life, but I was not living that abundant life I had heard about. I was depressed. I was angry, and 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 God had better for me. Luke, I'm going to read you a portion of scripture, if you would turn with me to Luke 4, beginning with verse 16. Who better than Jesus write to show us how to live a victorious life? So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. If you have your um, Bibles with you today, you could underline or highlight that part right there because it's very important. He found the place where it was written. And Jesus began to declare, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the broken hearted to proclaim liberty to the captive and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them who are oppressed. Here we have Jesus coming to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and he stands in the synagogue to read. And the Bible says he found the place where it was written. He found the place where it was written because he was looking. You see, we have to find out what God says about us in his word. I was walking around loving Jesus, but bound. Bound because I did not know all that God said about me personally. I hadn't applied those truths I had heard over and over again again, sitting in church. I didn't have a revelation of all that was purchased for me by his precious blood. Hosea 4.6 says, My people perish for lack of knowledge. Another version says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. My people, we are God's people if we have received Christ. And we must know what he says about us. First of all, Jesus was in church. He had enough wisdom to be in the house of God. And I thank God, man. I thank God for my God-fearing parents that brought me up in his house. You know? You know? We hear people say all the time, I'm a Christian, but I don't need to go to church. You know what? If Jesus went to church regularly, if Jesus went to church regularly, I think it should be the same for us. And the Bible says he found the place where it was written. He found because he was looking. He was in the Word. And because he was in the Word, he was able to find out what God said about him. And I want to encourage you guys today to open up the Word of God daily. Have time with Him. Do not neglect your devotion to Christ. Open up the Word and allow God to speak to you. Listen to this quote. The reality of your redemption comes through acknowledging acknowledging every good thing that is in you, in Him, every good thing that is in you, in Him. You have to know whose you are. We have the image of God on our life and we belong to Him. I recently heard um, a man named Ravi Zacharias, he's a Christian apologist, Um, And he pointed out a familiar portion of scripture. And the insight he gave, I thought, was just awesome. And he was speaking about how God is the author of human essence and how we are created in his image. I'm going to read to you Luke 20, starting with verse 21. Here we had the scribes and the chief priests, and they had sent out some spies to try and trap Jesus. And it says here that they asked him saying, teacher, we know that you say and teach rightly and you do not show personal favoritism, but teach the way of God and truth. Is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But he perceived their craftiness, the word says. And he said to them, why do you test me? Show me a Daenerys. Whose image and inscription does it have? They answered and said, Caesar's. And he said to them, Render, therefore, to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God. And give to God what belongs to God. My question to you today is whose image is on your life? You see, in Genesis 127, it says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female He created them. You see, that's whose you are. And you have to have that settled in your heart and in your mind. You have been bought with a precious price. The blood of Jesus has purchased your life and your salvation. And with that comes benefits. Hallelujah. God's image is on your life. Know who you are. Know what the word says about you. We recently did a study on the armor of God, some of the women here in the church, and it was awesome. How many of you guys participated? I know we have some here. It was a great study. And one of the things that just exploded in me as she taught was on the breastplate of righteousness and the belt of truth. To live a victorious Christian life, we have to know the truth of what God says about us not just know it in our head, but actually begin to apply it to our lives by declaring it, by confessing it, amen? And as I shared earlier, I was saved, but I was defeated. And I was living less than what God had for me. He had so much more. And I did not know, I did not realize, but man, when I found out, oh, no, the devil, the devil wasn't for a surprise because guess what, we are in a war. We are in a war. Whether we choose to engage in battle or not does not change the fact that we are in a war. And I decided to begin to engage the enemy and to get my freedom and to decide that I'm not going to live downcast and depressed and lessen what his words said about me. Amen. When Priscilla began to share on the breastplate of righteousness and the belt of truth, it was like... That, that's so key. I was like, amen, because that's so key on how to live victorious. And I want to share it with you guys today. When Paul in Ephesians wrote about the armor of God, he was on house arrest. And I'm sure he probably had a Roman soldier or legionnaire, maybe, you know, standing guard. But even more than that, he studied under the renowned, um Rabbi Gamaliel, and he studied under him, and he was well-versed in the Old Testament. And I could just see him going in his mind's eye as the Holy Spirit began to talk to him about the armor of God, that he went right back to Isaiah. Isaiah 59, verse 17 says, For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance for clothing, and was clad with zeal as a cloak. What an awesome picture of our God. Priscilla in our study called him the divine warrior. I just love that, the divine warrior. I hadn't realized this, but God himself was giving us his very own armor. His very own armor. This armor is supernatural, amen? It's not weak, made out of natural material, We are called to live a supernatural life. It's not natural to have peace in the midst of chaos. But we can have that because of whose we are, because of who lives on the inside of us. Amen? And God in his awesomeness knows just what to give us. He gives us this example of a soldier's armor with precision and with intent. He tells us in Ephesians 6.10, Through 14. I'm going to read it to you today. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on, hallelujah, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principality, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore. And he says here, he begins, having girded your waist with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. It's no mistake that he begins with these two, and I don't have time to get into every piece of the armor, but I want to to bring out these two I really felt led to today. She explained how these two pieces of armor are connected. They're hinged to one another. First off, the breastplate, the breastplate of righteousness, if you will. See, we can define righteousness as living a life that aligns with the expectations of God, the expectations found in His Word about how we are to live. But with that in mind, How many of you are aware of what God's standard is? 1 Peter 1.16 says, be holy, for I am holy. Be holy, for I am holy. I don't know about you guys, but when I look at myself, I don't feel very holy. I am not perfect by any means, but I tell you what, I've left, I'm on my way. I'm striving to be more like him, amen? His standard is perfection. It is perfection. But he knew it would be impossible for us to do that on our own. And that's why he sent Jesus. And at the point of salvation, when you receive Christ, God not only takes your sin away. Hallelujah for that, right? He cleanses us. He makes us new. But he deposits his righteousness on the inside of us. He deposits it. Second Peter one three says, as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, his power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. You can be godly, and it's through the knowledge of him, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. God's standard being perfection can pre- be a, a pretty heavy burden for us to carry, one that we'd never be able to attain on our own. But the beauty of these two pieces of armor that I'm talking about, the breastplate of righteousness and having our loins girded with truth, was that they were connected. That belt of truth, the truth in God's Word, was meant to bear, huh? The breastplate of righteousness. You see, when the soldier would go out to battle and he would put that breastplate on. It was a very heavy piece of armor. And so he would put the belt of truth to bear some of that weight. And that's exactly what God is telling us. Put on that belt of truth. Know what I've said about you. That is who you are. You are not defined by your past mistakes, by your past failure. You are defined by what God's word says about you. And he says you are more than a conqueror. He says you are an overcomer. He says you can live in purity and in holiness because I live on the inside of you. Amen? It's a pretty heavy burden to carry, but he's gave us the path to victory. The Apostle Paul in Romans 7.15 was very familiar with this struggle that we all face. He said in Romans 7.15, I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. There's this struggle that we all face with our flesh. In Matthew, Jesus tells his disciples, hey, you need to watch and you need to pray. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is But he laid out the path to our victory by knowing his word, by confessing it and declaring it over our lives. Me giving in to that bitterness and that resentment was an open door to the enemy. First and foremost, I have to make it clear, unrighteous living is an invitation to him to come and wreak havoc in our life. I had given him free reign by the choices that I made to give in to that resentment and bitterness. I felt justified because of what I was going through and what had been done to me. But I was not justified because, guess what, his word said his divine power gives me everything that I need for life and godliness. When I live a life out of alignment with the truth found in God's word, with his expectations, I'm open game to the enemy. We might as well send him a personal invitation. Come on in, have your way. You know, many times we blame the devil, and it's our own fault. We attract demonic influences by the environment that we create for ourselves. We can pray against the enemy all we want. But guess what? If you're living unrighteously, your prayers aren't going to be very effective. You're shooting yourself in the foot. We can't go around saying, God knows my heart. I've been in church a long time, and I've heard that quite a few times. And it sounds good, oh, God knows my heart. Yeah, he knows your heart, but you know what? More than that, he knows what you do. Because what you do reveals what is in your heart. And over and over again in the book of Revelation, he's speaking to the churches and he says, I know what you do, what you do. Transformation is evident with the choices that we make with our life. Yes, we're going to fail. You know, yes, at times we're going to fall and give in to sin. But there's no excuse. We have no excuse. We need to get back up. We need to fight back. We need to declare, you know what? I messed up, but that's not who I am. Because God says that I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can overcome in Jesus' name. I don't have to have this addiction for the rest of my life. I don't have to keep giving in to the same old sin. Because he says, I am righteous. He says, I am holy. And we tap into that power when we begin to confess. When we begin to declare it. I tell you what, I had a horrible week. I had a horrible week, and here I am preaching on this. I'm like, God, you are awesome, you know, because I had to remind myself of the victory that I had, and I had to stand up in my living room and begin to declare I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, you know, and we have to do that. That's how we win. That's the victory that is in us. We can't let guilt and condemnation hold us back. The enemy wants to keep us down. He keeps reminding us of what we did and where we've been and stuff like that. And God says, no, you know what? Every day is a new day. Every day is a new chance to start again and make it right and make better choices and allow God's power to have his way in us. We can't allow the enemy's lies to hinder us and to keep us down. Remember those pieces of armor when the soldier put on that breastplate? Then he girded himself with uh, a belt, that belt was made to carry that weight. Are you making that connection with me today? See, the truth backs us up. The truth has transforming power when it's applied to our life when it's applied. See, the truth tells me I am complete in Christ. The truth tells me I am free from the law of sin and death. The truth tells me I am holy and without blame before God because of the blood of Jesus. The truth tells me the greater one lives on the inside of me. The truth is I have no lack because God supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Romans 5, 17 says, I love this. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater, y'all, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph, will live in triumph. His desires that we live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. I have received the gift of righteousness because I have received Jesus Christ as my Savior. The weight of perfection and holiness was never ours to bear alone. God knew in the natural this was an impossible task. So lovingly and graciously and faithfully, he deposited inside of us his righteousness, amen, his truth, because his truth affirms who we are. And we have to remind ourselves continually who we are. We need to get in the Word and find those I am scriptures. I am who God says I am. Amen? The truth is found in His Word. Begin to declare it. Get in the Word once again. Stop taking every blow the enemy hits. Get up. Get in the ring. Put your boxing gloves on and hit back. Hit back. Amen? The truth is that when God sees us, he sees the righteousness of his own son. No matter what you're going through, no matter the bad choices that you have made, your position in Christ, if you have received him, is righteous. That is your position. But now your life must align with that very truth. Amen? We are without excuse because as I said earlier, That verse in 2 Peter, his divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness, everything we need. 2 Corinthians 5.21, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. And that is the truth. And I just want to encourage you guys today to yield to the process. If you've been in church for a while, they call it the sanctification process. It's a good process, I tell you what. It's worth the effort. It's worth the perseverance. I am not who I once was because of God's grace, because of his mercy. And that process doesn't end, doesn't ever end until we see him face to face. His, his word says that we go from glory to glory. There is always more. There is, we should never be satisfied with our walk with God. You know, we should constantly be saying, search me, oh God. Know my heart, reveal any wickedness in me. None of us have attained that perfection, not till that day he comes to take us home. You know, just like when you go to the gym, my husband often has said, my husband often has said that the heaviest thing about that gym is that front door, you know, getting it open. That's the heaviest part of it. You know, but just like when you start working out, you know, you don't become some barrel-chested Herculean, you know, overnight. It takes determination. It takes effort. It takes energy. It takes perseverance. And it's the same for our spiritual walk. The good news is, this is the good news, y'all, that we can live righteous because we are righteous. We are righteous. We renew our mind through the word of God. We pray and we cooperate with God's spirit as he woos us, as he calls to us even today, come closer, come higher. We let go of the sin and we turn our back on the distractions. I mean, we have all kinds of distractions right at our fingertips. And it's time we close the computers and we turn the televisions off and we spend time in his word. In his word and with him, we should look at ourselves a year from now, two years from now, a month from now, a week from now. Hey, there's nothing too hard for God, right? And we should be able to say, look what the Lord has done. Amen. Amen? Look what he has done. Hallelujah. Priscilla says this, and I love it. She says, righteousness is not manufactured. It is released. It is released because it is in you. You are well able to do all that God has called you to do, to be all that God has called you to be. He wants to free us of everything that does not look like him. Amen. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me today.